welcome to episode 49 of GameSpot After Dark. We are getting really close to 50. We have nothing exciting planned for the 50th episode, at least not that I know of. Uh, but yeah, thank you all so much for stopping by. And joining me this week is Lucy James. Hello. Tamor Hussein. Hi. And... That's when the blessings come in. Blessings come in. There he blessing awesome. Jr. <laughs> it's me. What's up, guys? <laughs> So hold on, what's what's the background of that? I wasn't told. <laughs> that is a that is a a a viral video clip of. Uh, let me let me actually get the name of the video up, but we use it frequently because blessing myself, Lucy, and a few others um, play Overwatch. Friend, oh, okay. friend of the podcast, Simon Cardi. Simon Cardi, Never heard of Daniel yeah. Krupa, various other folks. And whenever Car- uh, uh, Blessing joins our our uh, party, he plays that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's it's actually an excerpt from a video called uh, what is it called? Be a funnel. It's be a funnel. <laughs> and of course, it's, uh, it of course, that's what it's called. <laughs> and it's just like uh, it's the description is River Kids preaching, and this is kid with a mic, um, and she's doing the whole evangelical. Get hype because God's yeah. about to. She's not trying to speak in tongues. Is and that she's what like she's asking do? people yeah. to speak in tongues. It's seven minutes and thirty seconds long. It is the most butt-clenchingly awkward thing you will ever see. It's this little girl just being like speaking in tongues, and it's just oh, there's God. one bit where she says the phrases blah, 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 blah. That's when the blessings come in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. That's, there's that's, more. I'm trying to find the other ones because there's like. Great quotes in there. Like, yeah, I think it's this one. Hold on. Hold on. And I know a lot of you guys need blessings in here. And honestly, like, it's made <laughs> like watching this video has made my life ten times better, especially during this quarantine, uh, because it makes me feel wanted. It makes me feel loved. Um, so there you go. Yeah, that's the story of it. It's the backstory. Well, thank you, Blessing, for joining us. I think you're the first guest to have joined, to have been on the show twice now. Okay, that was going to be my next question, actually, because I was going to, I was going to ask, like, you know, am I, am I in the lead for you're in the lead spot after dark you guest appearances? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. you're probably the good. most, most probably like requested as well. Really? I don't know. I, I made that up. But it's probably <laughs> yeah, by, most, re- most requested by Michael Hyam. <laughs> yeah, most requested by the Gamespot team. <laughs> now, can I say I do have a complaint? This is the mm-hmm. second time I'm on the show, and Michael okay. Hyam isn't here. Where is Michael Hyam? Well, are we not good enough for you? Well, I mean, you guys are great. I'm just saying, I just love Michael Hyam. You know, the other day, I listened the to other... the show. I, st- I actually stopped listening to the show because Michael Hyam's not on, on it enough. The He's other day, the last wow. couple episodes. The other day on but a, I, did, I wouldn't know because I stopped listening. On a PS, I love you. You were talking about GameStop and said GameSpot, and you don't hear me giving you shit about it. So. Yeah. Damn, wow. that's a, that's a bull face lie because he slid into my DMs the other day about it with the exact <laughs> clip with the video, and I watched it. I screen I recorded ashamed. it and I sent it to him on WhatsApp, and I was like, "Where you're going to is jail blessing." <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining us this week, and it was it was pretty last minute. I was like, uh, "We should get blessing on." It's been a while. And like, I don't know what, four hours ago, five hours ago, I messaged you and you're like, well, I got another podcast, but uh, I think we should be able to make that work. Yeah, so thank yeah, you. Man. For sure. Happy yeah. If it, was any, if it was any other podcast, I'd probably say no, but Game, game GameSpot After Dark, I almost said Ooh. GameCast. After Game, game. <laughs> I thought you guys said GameStop After GameStop Dark. After I, I, Dark. I was expecting GameStop. <laughs> uh, GameSpot After Dark, of course. Like I got I to gotta let, you, let you guys my time because uh, 
I joke that I li- I stopped listening to the podcast. That's mainly because I ran out. I, that's mainly because I don't have time uh, in the day anymore because I'm a podcaster now. But if I was listening to podcasts as regularly as I was, oh, you guys would be on top of the list. Aww, I, it'd, be, it'd be After Dark, mm-hmm. Giant Beast Cast, and then Bomb Cast, and then all the other ones Yeah, in that order. That's good order. It's a good order. I, I will say I get where you're coming from. I used to listen to podcasts all the time until I started working at GameSpot, and now it's like I listen to one a week if I'm lucky. Well, I mean, also, yeah. no one has a commute anymore. That's true. Yeah. That's another big reason. Not commuting has yeah. done that, too. I listen to so many podcasts still. Like, I'm always when? listening to a podcast. Just always. I don't. I can't I don't work like... if I'm listening to someone talking. I can listen yeah. to music. I can't listen to... Not, not when I'm working. Like, if I got up from, to go from here to go downstairs to get myself some water, I would, I would put on a podcast. Like, that's the level mm-hmm. of... Just because I don't like silence. Silence. I need to like always have some sort of sound going and I don't like listen to music unless I'm, uh, if I'm at home, I'll, I'll listen to like a podcast. So I listen to a lot. Well, anyway, should we talk about what we've been playing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lucy, do you want to, do you want to kick it off? Um, I have been playing Ghost of Tsushima. I can't talk about that until the embargo lifts next week. That's like not a humble brag that I've been playing it, but it's literally consuming my life so that's what i've been playing but also um i downloaded the sims 4 again for a play for all stream uh to do a goof uh tam and i were playing with elise and james williams from funhouse earlier today and that's a, that's a james and barbara duncan for you uh blessing oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. no yeah, yeah i love james and barbara yeah, yeah, yeah. it was, a, it was a, actually elise's birthday um elise of course from rooster teeth uh, her birthday of, uh, about a week ago, July second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her birthday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hang on, that took me a second there to remember the goof. Yeah. Uh, I got. I'm on board now. <laughs> um, so I was playing yesterday to set it up. We did a challenge. Um, so things that have changed so differently from when I played The Sims. Like I knew of the exchange, and I knew of ways to swap custom content, and people would post stories and storylines and storybooks and stuff, and then. With The Sims 4, I didn't realize just how much they'd lent into the um, community-created stuff. And the fact that there has this huge audience now online with, like, so many Sims YouTubers. I knew of, like, Claire Siobhan and a couple of other people. I'm, like, Sim Guru, um, Sim Supply. But I didn't realize it had this whole sort of giant culture. Like, I think everyone, most gamers have experience with The Sims. Um, but I didn't realize just how strong it was and how much it changed, I guess. And so yesterday I was looking into what we could do on the stream to make it a bit more fun and not just, hey, let's just make a seven fun run. I found this big list of challenges. And so some of them are like um, gold digger challenge uh, where you have to try and like marry and get as rich as possible. Are these, are these in-game challenges or are these in-game challenge- challenges? Okay, so, so they, like, are they are in-game? Oh, no, no. So in-game is in like you play them, but the rules are set up by the community. Okay, I see. So there's obviously like the 100 baby challenge is very popular. There's the Black Widow challenge, which I really liked, where you make a a femme fatale sim and then um, just get married and kill your husband as much as possible Um, and like do that a bunch. And so the the one that we settled on yesterday was the three little sims challenge where you have three separate sims who all live on the same lot, uh, three separate houses. And the rule is that you only control one sim per day 
and the others have autonomy to do everything they want to do. So you basically just like try and keep them on track and see how they go off and do their own thing. And so today when we were playing, I downloaded the vampire pack and the magic pack. So, and I also the pets one. So we had like one woman who's obsessed with cats. We had a slacker teen called Liam who eventually became a wizard. And then we had a, um, a vampire called Reese Lemon, who I really enjoyed. Who would who would never walk anywhere? He would only turn into a bat and walk, and then reappear. So it was hilarious to see him like move three yeah. steps, but disappear and then reappear as a bat. bat. But then, I mean, the thing that really got me about because I played The Sims so much when I was younger, just like an impossible amount, is the way that they've changed build and buy mode. I mean, like build mode and buy mode are one mode now, and the fact that like you don't have to, the way that you can. Um, just pick on a pre-furnished room and just drop it in is crazy to me. It's like incredible because I'm not great at interior design or anything. I would be the person who would spend hours and hours in build and buy mode. But then the way that it's so easy just to drop in the pre-made stuff or even go on the gallery and just download it and put it straight in, incredible. And so I was only supposed to spend, you know, half an hour yesterday setting everything up. And I spent like two hours just playing The Sims and then we played for a couple hours again today and I have next week off. And so part of me is kind of thinking, well, well what could I do? Um, so I'm excited about that. It's, it's kind of nice to, it's a kind of comfort game, sort of revisiting a lot of things about it that are so familiar, but it also has this kind of sheen of being new because I haven't played it properly in at least a couple of years. I think the last time I put some serious time into it was the um, cats and dog stuff that came out when I had a household of me and Oscar Isaac and we had a cat but that didn't save so it wasn't on my PC when I booted up so RIP that relationship but yeah Sims 4 man because it was shite when it first came out Mm -hmm. I think that was the only time I played it I think I played it when it came out briefly and I was like yeah no I played the console version which was yeah, the console version was on PS Plus a couple of months ago. But the thing about Sims 4 when it came out, and, and it's something like Sim based Sims games suffer from, is that you're coming off the heels of the previous Sims game, which has all the expansion packs, all the stuff packs, mm-hmm. everything. And then you have to start fresh, and you kind of have to put some elements of that in the base game. The Sims 4, though, didn't have... It had very two very weird omissions, one of which was swimming pools, but the other which was toddlers. An entire life stage, which was so crucial before, was just gone. And that was really weird. And it just felt very, very limited. And then they gradually patched all that stuff in and had all these packs and everything. And yeah, it's in a great place. Anyway, that's what I've been playing, Sims 4. I, I love listening to people talk about Sims 4 because at a certain point, like something will be said and I don't know whether or not they're being serious or not. Um, like whenever somebody's like, oh yeah, there was a new DLC and it, it, and it, um, it basically like expands out on the island experience and you, you, you get to have an island and have a tropical thing going. I'm like, okay, that sounds reasonable. And then like another person be like, oh yeah, also there's cats and dogs DLC. And then I'm like, mm. oh no, no, no. If you want to know me- the most ridiculous DLC for The Sims 4, laundry day stuff. That was voted on by the community. The community voted to put laundry day stuff in. There's like eco living, I think apartment life. Um, there's a surprising there a amount. Because I feel like I heard about knitting recently being a thing in, in Sims 4. Oh, I don't know. Let me see. See, this is, this is 
that's the good life. That's like, that's where the gaming industry as a whole should be. Because we're out here, people out here complaining about Last of Us 2's ending needs to be changed and certain characters need to have different fates. Meanwhile, Sims community is like, can we get laundry, please? Any chance um, we can get laundry? So this, yeah, actually, I didn't realize that this had even happened. Uh, the Sims 4 Nifty Knitting Stuff is the upcoming 17th stuff pack for The Sims 4. It marks the introduction of knitting as well as the return of the rocking chair. This is right, This is the kind of stuff that I live for, so I'm very, very into it. The return uh, of the rocking chair. It's got a nice ring to awesome. it. That's awesome. It does have a nice ring to it. Like the rocking chair has been the, out of the game for a while. These are the battles I can get behind. Well, this yeah. was all voted for by the community. Stuff Pack was developed as a result of a series of votes for themes, build by and create same assets and icons slash titles similar to Laundry Day stuff. Um, I remember Rise of the worked. Rocking Chair, Return of the Rocking Chair, Revenge of the Rocking Chair. <laughs> That's the only place my brain is going right now. When um, I worked in retail, we used to have like cabinets behind the uh, the uh, cashier's desk and they'd have like a bunch of games in there, the most popular. We used to have one entire bay dedicated to Sims and Sims expansions because they were there were an absurd amount of them and they were just selling all the time, nonstop. It was like always Sims. Like people would come in and buy a game, and then just be like, you know how you pick your your sides in a on a meal. Like, should I get fries? Should I get like mashed potato? Should I get coleslaw? People are like, I'll take that copy of The Last of Us and I'll get a Sims stuff pack on side, please. That's awesome. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. I love how other I, other games are like like um, Samurai Showdown. It's like, oh yeah, let's collaborate with For Honor for our DLC. Get a new character, make this huge thing. Let's get the action going. Uh, yeah. Other games are like, yo, let's let's put out whole level packs. Let's let's up the action in Sims like yo fuck it knitting oh can i cuss on this show <laughs> yeah whatever you want the sims the sims though like it's had some incredible tie-ins over the years they had an ikea stuff pack they had h&m oh, yeah katie perry had her own uh pack like honestly we found like we found like an uh, we accidentally found like a moschino hoodie in, oh yeah in in our thing and then carried on scrolling it's like oh it's a boba fett helmet here mm-hmm. and darth maul face it's like what's just no rhyme or reason to it. They're just like, let's just create it. the world. It's fantastic. I think when the re- the actual world is on fire around you, it's nice just to retreat into The Sims. It's been because they probably Jewett. own it because it was free on PS Plus in February if you have mm. a PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Dave Jewett I've been... uh, from our UK team has been streaming loads on his personal account, and he's been doing a lot of Sim stuff. So I've been watching that, and it, like it's slowly been making me think maybe I should install Sims. And now I'm like, maybe I should install Sims. Install yeah. Sims. Did that's you get that's your new the same PC setup tomorrow. I haven't got my new PC yet. It's going okay. to come at the end of July, sadly. But I do have this gaming laptop, and it's and it, it runs like, it. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I could just like lay on my bed with this gaming laptop, warming my crotch, and just play uh, Sims. Hang, I mean, I would definitely put a tray on or something because I mean, this lap, this gaming laptop, even though it's just running Zoom, is already. Yeah, my. That's the thing with these gaming laptops. It's like we've created the, you know, most up to date graphics technology in a small form factor but it's going to scream like you're beating it the entire time yeah melt through your desk yeah Yeah. (laughs) anyway that's what i've been playing uh tamor what have you been up to slay this fire right uh yeah i've also been playing um ghost of tsushima uh can't say anything about it again good title screen good title screen good continue screen sword in the ground Text love a sword in the ground. Well spaced, yeah. left justified text, 
Nice lighting, backlighting, mm -hmm. good. Particle More importantly, effects. good particle effects. More importantly, when you're lingering on the title screen, doesn't make your fans kick into overdrive like some games. Looking at you, Call of Duty Warzone. Grow oh up, God. Activision. Fired. Grow up. Just fired, literally. get rid of get rid of that infinitely walking forward group of people. Just give me just text on a screen that doesn't make my PS4 scream. It's the only game I've played where I've said this before where during loading, it's actually the PlayStation have put a system level error that says your PS4 is too hot. I've seen that once Whoa, in my life and geez. it's playing that game. And I was like, I've never seen that in any console ever. It was just like, your, your PS4 is too hot. I'm turning it off. It's turned off. But anyways, I've never yeah. gotten that, but I tried playing it about a week ago and it was like, okay, you got to install a 90 gig update. And I was like, mm -hmm. all right, you know, I'll just let it go overnight. It installs overnight, and then I go on to play with some friends, and it's like you Copy can't it. play this. You got to download the, the the game packs, <clears throat> and then there's like eight different packs I need to install separately. Oh, Each they've of let them you get like, rid of those now. Oh, like, really? The, the multiplayer pack you can get rid of single player. You can get rid of specific. You can get. I got rid of special ops because I was like, oh, I'm playing this. yeah, I should probably it, do that. But yeah, then I just had to install a bunch of other stuff, and I was yeah. like, I'm never gonna play this game. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird how, how crazy it's gotten as far as, like, all the different itemized stuff that you, I guess, have to download but then don't have to have anymore. And, like, mm -hmm. the, 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 the fact that Call of Duty has gotten to the place where they're like, oh, yeah, hundreds of gigs worth of data is, is, is needed to download to play this game. And I know I don't want to, like, be, I don't want to, like, be the person who's, like, back in my day or whatever because I'm 26. Um, but, like, Black Ops on PS3 didn't have that. Like, why, why, why has it gotten to such... It's lengths. Like, why has it gotten to this point? It's so it's that it's like all the additional modes, first of all. But then it's all that in the Battle Earth specifically. It's all that shit that's stuffing in there for the future, isn't it? Like, is that hidden yeah. away? And <laughs> and like, I think people have said that it's not particularly well optimized or um, as good as it probably could be. Um, but I hope they figure that stuff out, especially when they transition to the next generation and inevitably have a new version of Wars on there. If it's like 150 gigabytes, absolutely not. It's not happening. Yeah. I mean, wasn't this this the Modern Warfare engine was like designed for next gen anyway? Yeah, like they kind of made it ahead of time. Engine. So I wonder if that is or why your PS4 is you know about to catch on fire. Yeah, maybe. So yeah, Ghost of Shima's got a good title screen. <laughs> um, I have been playing Slay the Spire out for a bunch of platforms for a while now, and. A lot of people that I know talk about it, like Cardi, we mentioned before, he's always been a huge advocate of it. And one of our own, Chris Pereira, um, he loves that game and has always talked about it. And it came out on mobile. So I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. I think it was quite expensive, though. I think it was like a tenner, $10 or something like that. Um, but I downloaded it and I tried it and I think I'm playing it wrong. I So we put out, I think we should have a review of it soon up. Um, Chris has written a review and I read the review and in, as well as reading the review, I realized that I'm playing it entirely wrong. Like I was doing the thing where I'm hoarding cards where I'm like, Oh, every time it's like, Hey, you can have one of these cards. Which one do you want? I'm like, yeah. Oh, it's like, you can have this card. You've won this battle. You can have this card. You can have the money or you can get like a boost. I'm like, obviously I'm going to take the card. Mm -hmm. But the whole point of that game is to kind of refine a smaller deck that you can employ more frequently or, or that's one of the strategies. Like you don't want, this deck of 90 cards with one attack in it. Instead, you want maybe a couple of attack cards and a bunch of cards that will like enhance those attacks and give you more chance of doing special abilities and that kind of stuff. <laughs> so I've been coming at it all wrong. Um, but so 
my kind of take on it is flawed from the outset because of that. I can see why it was good, but I didn't understand what made it special. I enjoyed playing the card element of it, but I was like, I don't get how this is better than any other deck building game. It has the roguelike elements where you're kind of working your way up up a tower and you have to make decisions on, should I have this fight or should I try and go around? Should I rest up or should I experience, use my experience points and you want to try and make it to the end to fight the boss? Should I fight this mini boss or should I go around, etc., like that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, yeah, that's an angle, but doesn't seem that interesting. But it turns out I've been playing it in the wrong way. So... I'm now getting into it with a more clearer understanding of it, having read Chris's review and spoken to Cardi a bit about it as well. Um, it is fun. I think the art style completely puts me off. It's kind of lo-fi and like dark dungeon-y, um, but like it's got very rudimentary animations and art style. Like I want it, I want a bit, I may, I'm spoiled for like interesting visual aesthetics, even in 2D kind of like card games. So I wish it looked a bit better, but ultimately the gameplay is there and it and it does have some a lot of depth to it. Um and I'm excited to dig into it. But yeah, it's 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 definitely something worth playing. I'm enjoying it for how easy it is to pick up and put down. Um so I'll play it in between sessions of like Tsushima or like when I'm just like at the end of a workday, I'll just sit on my bed and cry while playing um Slay the Spire. Um so it's like good for short burst gaming. Um so I, I do recommend it, even, but just make sure you're playing it properly, not like an idiot like me. Nice. That Slay the Spire is a game that I've heard so much about, but I don't have the slightest clue of what that game is, other than it's cards. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much game. like it's pretty much you just you're, you're just a little icon moving up this path to the top of a tower where a big boss waits, and each each little dot is like a uh, an encounter with an enemy, and then you just get a handful of cards, you play the cards, and then you win, you lose, you get an item back, and then you move on to the next thing, and you're slowly like making your way to the top. Okay. So it's very simple in its mechanics, and all the depth is in the way you build your deck and understand. And there's like the other thing is like you have. Uh, characters who have specific roles strengths and attributes and you unlock them over time i'm still playing with the very vanilla kind of knight style class so i haven't got to the stage where i've unlocked more interesting characters but it is all in that how are you making your build does it work right now and how how do you build that out as you go ahead like you don't automatically walk into each run with a fully decked out build you kind of make it as you go along so and oh, you can okay. and and then you can be like oh this time I'm gonna try for a incredibly tanky build so I'm gonna focus on minimizing my deck so it's so it's focused on uh, improving my defendability whilst also kind of like having a small variety of attack um, cards that I can tank through or you can be like oh, I'm gonna focus on entirely building around relics which give me wild buffs and change the way the gameplay works. Um, quite drastically so, so you don't you don't create a deck before you enter the spire you create it kind of as you go yeah so you come oh, in with a basic neat. hand and then you kind of like yeah so you're not spending ages in menus kind of moving things around yeah. cards and that kind of stuff you kind of look at what you've got and like dispose of things that you don't want and keep add things that you do want on the fly it's easily the most approachable deck building slash dungeon crawling slash roguelike game um so on on that in that regards, uh, that's why I'd recommend it. Cool. I might have to give that a try. It it sounds like uh, like drafting in Magic: The Gathering. I don't know if anyone's done that. Yeah, but it is. It I used does to do it way. every now and then, where it was like it's kind of like a roguelike, I guess, and that you make a deck on the fly, and then you use that deck for the next couple duels mm-hmm. or battle duels. Like yeah, it, a couple I did battles, it. and then uh, 
yeah, I did some of that Magic the Gathering stuff as well back in the day, and it does have that vibe where you're just trying to make the most of what you got and see how how you can take this limited set of cards and use them in interesting ways to get beyond yeah. your enemies. I want a Yu-Gi-Oh roguelite. That's what I want. That, yeah. that would be interesting. <laughs> I would, I would, I'd want it. Just because I, I hear people talk about Slay the Spire, and for me, I, I really like roguelites, um, specifically games like Dead Cells and Rogue Legacy. They've really spoken to me. Uh, in a very heavy way, where I'll get very into those games. Uh, but like for the most part, card games don't haven't necessarily done it for me. Uh, well, like specifically, card video games haven't necessarily done it for me. Um, Yu-Gi-Oh though is like the one exception where I can get into a Yu-Gi-Oh game, and so I'm sure there's somebody out there. Did you ever play the ones for Game Boy Advance? Uh, which one, like the tournament ones, or, or? God, I don't remember, but I had a lot of them, and I played a lot of them. <laughs> so, like, I so I the, the Yu-Gi-Oh games that I've played, right? There is Yu-Gi-Oh, um, Duelist of the Roses for played, that was PlayStation, PS2, right? yeah, yep, for that. PS2, and that was like more so like a strategy kind of game. Mm-hmm. Love that game, um, specifically the soundtrack. That still has one of my favorite soundtracks in the game, Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, Duelist of the Roses. I had Yu-Gi-Oh, Dark Duel Stories for Game Boy Color that I played a lot that was basically this bastardized version of Yu-Gi-Oh where the rules were not anywhere near what the actual rules were but it's like a simplified easier version of it got really into that and then on Game Boy Advance I did have um I can't remember the name the exact name of it but it was like Yu-Gi-Oh dueling tournament 2006 or something like that um that were like these are the Yu-Gi-Oh rules like these are the official this is the official way to play the game um and you would work your way up uh, through ranks with that and had a blast with that game. That game got very difficult because Yu-Gi-Oh! can turn into a pretty hard game if you're playing it casually. Um, but yeah, a Yu-Gi-Oh! roguelite where it is like quick bursts of Yu-Gi-Oh! sounds like a fun time. There's also a game, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links, that was on mobile. It probably, it probably still is on, on mobile. That kind of was an expedited version of Yu-Gi-Oh! where it is uh, smaller decks, smaller hands, smaller like field and all this stuff. It is more so like meant to be a um a mobile version of Yu-Gi-Oh that kind of fits within not necessarily a roguelite but within like a condensed experience of Yu-Gi-Oh. I want that plus a roguelite. Someone make it happen. Somebody make, make it happen. It I know there I know there I know there are developers <laughs> that listen to this. Make it happen please just for me. Speaking of which do you want to go off with what you've been playing bless? Sure. Um so I got I got the opportunity to preview Hyperscape, which I don't know if you guys have talked Ooh. about Hyperscape on the show or not yet. Michael talked about it last week a little bit. Oh, yeah, because he gave you he gave you multiple shoutouts. I was gonna say because I played with Michael, um, and so yeah, like Ubisoft invited us, invited us over to play Hyperscape, which is their new battle royale game um, that uh, I think just got out of closed beta um, and is set to release during this summer at some point. Um, and it's basically yeah, like ninety nine players, teams of three, takes place in the Hyperscape, which is basically this future version of the internet that is developed by a, a, a company called Prisma Dimensions. It's like, there's like a lot of buzz terms going on in this mm-hmm. game. Um, but yeah, Prisma Dimensions developed the, the Hyperscape, which is this version of the internet that exists, I guess, like 50 years from now that we essentially jack ourselves into and become one with the digital, uh, digital landscape. So it's um, like Futurama's internet. Where yes. you put the little thing on mm. and you wire yes. yourself in. Yes, I believe so. I haven't, I haven't okay. seen Futurama in a long, in a, in a hot second, but I think I remember that episode. Yeah, um, yeah something like that. And yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you're basically in it. And so in that in the hyperscape, they have what they call Crown Rush, which is like the name of the actual battle royale. It's kind of like basically like what they, what what Apex Legends is to Apex Legends, Crown Rush is to the hyperscape. Right. Um, and so 
yeah, like people do it for fun. It's 99 players, all this different stuff. The thing that really, I think, makes this game interesting for me is how much faster it is than any other Battle Royale game I've played. Um, as far as like the bigger ones. Yeah, yeah. Like it is, if it feels like way more of an arena experience <laughs> than any of the other ones. And so like, I would compare it more so to Unreal Tournament or games like that. Um, like Lawbreakers? Lawbreakers will actually be probably the biggest comparison I would make. And like, not in a bad way, because like, I think Lawbreakers have pros and cons why, to it. Why did you? <laughs> why did you cross for Lawbreakers? R.I.P. Because it's all gone. The things. It's, it's no more. Um, it's no more. Lawbreakers. But like the dead. The I was thing, just more so, like like evoking God and religion to save Lawbreakers. <laughs> so it's like I'd be all right if that thing was in hell. I'm cool. Radical Heights, rest in peace. Yeah. Um, but like. I so Lawbreakers like wasn't like a bad game by any means. It's just a game. It just was a game that kind of didn't take off. To mm. me, Hyperscape has a lot of Lawbreakersy elements in terms of the movement and kind of how quick it is, um, and kind of like the, the art style in a bit. It, it, it feels like it takes a lot of inspiration from, inspiration from that. Um, but for a battle royale, which I think makes it more interesting, because yeah, super fast paced. It's super vertical, and so the the game takes place. The map is basically. A uh, inspired by Paris, like it takes place in like an urban environment, and mm -hmm. so you'll find yourself on top of buildings and all this different stuff because there's jump pads and there are different abilities you can pick up. Like there's a teleport ability that you, that allow you to um, teleport upwards if you want to, or get to wherever you need to go pretty quickly. Um, there are, and they call these abilities hacks, which are there there are things that you find on the map. Mm -hmm. um, and so yeah, like you're collecting hacks, you're collecting different guns, and it just feels like way more of a of an Unreal Tournament Battle Royale, which has me kind of excited, but at the same time, kind of nervous. Because when I played it, um, I remember it taking a bit for me to kind of like figure out the flow of it. And once I got there, I was like, okay, cool. This feels chaotic. Like it feel, it's, it's fun and there is like fun strategy to it. And there is an accessibility to it where you're just like, like it's, it's not PUBG, it's not, apex where you're having to find attachments for your gun and, and, and different things like that it is hey i have i got the gatling gun if i want to upgrade my gatling gun i find another another gatling gun on the map and that'll automatically upgrade it and i can do that four times and it's like very it's it's simple and clean it's easy um the thing is though like at certain points especially toward the end of the matches they're they have the crown that'll spawn on the map and what that is is Basically, in any other any other battle royale, it's last man standing, last team with with all their players alive is the team that wins. It's the same here, but with the added crown element, which um, I don't know how, I don't know how many players have to be left for the crown to spawn. But once the crown spawns, uh, whatever team is able to hold the crown for forty five seconds uh, wins. And so, That's cool. um, it's a it's a it's a cool thing. There's no, there's not a circle in the game, which is why I think they they have the crown instead of the circle. What they have is uh, the different areas of the map disintegrate, and it, it will essentially like if you're if you're left in an area of the map that is degrading and disintegrating, you'll basically fall off the map. Uh, that's how they deal with pushing players together in this huge environment. The crown kind of feels like the last effort of that. Of mm -hmm. hey, yeah, once we once we have people down to like one or two districts, we'll then have it be we'll, we'll then have it be so that like the crown is what's pulling people together. The crown is going to be the thing that everybody can see. If you get the crown, everybody sees where you're at. Um, it is now a chase for everybody to, to get to you. And so it's fun in the sense that that is like a strategic thing. That is the thing you have to kind of think about as a player of like, okay, cool. Do I want to grab the crown real quick or do I want to like 
camp on the crown and like wait for somebody to get it so I can try and snipe them or kill them or whatever. Um, and that's fun. The way it kind of panned out for me when I was playing, and this is like with Michael and I think Khalif who we're also playing with, um, when it got down to that, it just turned into a mess of bullets of just gunfire happening everywhere. Me tapping whatever button I can find, like what doing whatever ability that I have on me to like try and stay alive and to try and like get people off me. It turned into a, a big mess, which on one hand was kind of fun. On the other hand, uh, if every if every match kind of boils down to that, I can see that becoming a little bit problematic. But I think that stuff might be fixed with balancing guns and mm-hmm. making um, uh, basically like balancing, like balancing different abilities and all that stuff. Because the Gatling gun when I played was like the thing that was uh, super overpowered. And you know, when when the Gatling gun is the thing that is super overpowered, I think that's the thing that like that's what the matches are going to boil down to is that Gatling gun, which causes a mess. And so. You know, I, I'm I'm hopeful for the game. I, I think it was pretty fun. It's not like my favorite battle royale right now is Apex Legends. And that's my favorite battle royale ever at this point. I don't think it's an Apex killer. I don't think it's a Fortnite killer, but I do think that it'll probably have its place um mm. in the battle royale ecosystem, which I think is pretty exciting. Do you think people who are kind of like, I don't know, burnt out on the battle royale scene are gonna be into this game at all, or do you think that it's not really? Really I think there. I think there's something there because it's it feels different. Like mm. I th- I think when it comes to other battle royales, especially the big ones, so like Fortnite and PUBG, and even throw Apex in, into this, I think the thing that can maybe get tiresome of them is you'll go rounds without action and then die immediately, and it you feel like you wasted your time at a certain point. Um, especially like if you go through all the effort of looting and finding the best attachment and finding all the, all mm-hmm. the purple, um, the purple pickups and all this different stuff. Like if you, if you, if you get your ideal loadout or if you, if you go down that route and then you die, uh, let's say 10 minutes in, you know, that could be like, that could be deflating and you can be like, okay, well there, there is a mood I, that I have to be in order to play this for hyperscape. It feels very much like, like it matches just way quicker in the sense that you'll probably find action and if you die it'll probably be pretty quick um and you can you can get back into a match pretty quickly and also like that's another big thing is the revival system in this game encourages getting people back into a match um like getting people back into the same match um uh more so than others even apex like apex is the game that introduced the whole respawn beacon and you get people back into the same match this game has it so that basically if if i die as a player and i still have teammates in the game I turn into an echo and I'm able to still run around the map and scout for my teammates. I can't shoot a gun. I can't, I don't even think other players can see me. Like I'm just like an invisible ghost essentially, but I can scout, uh, and you know, help out my teammates in that way. And then, uh, for any other player who dies there, uh, the place where that, where they get taken out then becomes a respawn point to where now me as the ghost, I can go to that respawn point and then my teammate who's alive, can uh, meet me at the respawn point and then bring me back to life. And so there are just like a lot more yeah. um, situations where you're going to get respawned uh, in this game. Like I, rem- I remember playing a match with Khalif and Michael and uh, I got them back probably like three or four times each, like back into the same game. Um, like, no it's not very good. That, There's no restriction. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so like basically you're going until your whole team dies. Um, nice. And it's, Really, it's really active because of that, and I think there's, I think there's something there in terms of people keeping keeping people involved and keeping people interested. Um, mm. So I, I can see people getting into it uh, for that. That sounds neat. Like I, 
I'll, I'll probably try it. I don't know how into it I'll get because I haven't gotten super into battle royales. Last one I got really into was Apex. Um, but I, I'm surprised that Ubisoft, when they said they were working on a battle royale, I think I just kind of assumed it would be like a Ghost Recon battle royale because that world yeah. is kind of already built for that. Uh, and like, it would just make sense too. Like in, in my head, at least it made sense. Like, yeah, Ghost Recon, like they can use that giant map. Uh, they can have a lot of characters on that. There's already vehicle combat. There's all this kind of stuff that's already in place. So, like, as much as that still kind of interests me, I'm glad that they didn't just kind of turn Ghost Recon more into something it wasn't, just to kind of appeal yeah. to what the, the masses are into right now. It but does yeah, shock me that they didn't do Tom Clancy's Blank Blank as a battle royale, because I feel like that then has the name recognition. Yeah. They'll probably, yeah. like, sell a lot. But yeah, but I cool mean, I, it still. maybe that they just had the rights to do wildlands and whatever and they haven't renegotiated with the tom clancy estate oh i think they own it now they can do whatever they, they want own yeah, they, tom they own clancy? tom clancy yeah, I think for the games they have yeah. like because what there's tom clancy's the division tom clancy's rainbow six siege tom jeez i forgot like the division was tom clancy yeah mm-hmm. splinter cell well i guess tom we have clancy's end war like half at least half of ubisoft games had to be tom clancy at this point yeah tom clancy's steep <laughs> tom clancy's for honor yeah mm. tom clancy's <laughs> rayman yeah. Um, um, I also I also played uh, Iron Man VR. Um, oh yeah, how's that? I, I oh no, I didn't find. I haven't made it that far. So I've I've only made it to chapter two, and I think I'm done with the game. Yeah. I'm not enjoying it that much. It it seems very fine. Like I don't think it's bad by any means, but it's one of those ones where I like if we're if we're looking at it like for the story and for the characters and all that stuff i keep comparing it to mcu and i feel like this iron man kind of pales in comparison mm-hmm. in terms of like you can't compete with robert downey jr as iron man and so like whatever whenever tony stark talks in the game i'm like all right cool i see where this is going i i, I see your humor i see your quips but you're not robert downey jr you're um, not him you're not him you know you're Show not me my the dad real, the real one you're not my dad um but yeah like that that's one complaint I have with it. I also feel like the controls are kind of complicated in a way mm-hmm. that I'm. I, maybe if I played it way more, I could get accustomed to. But the way that it's set up, right? Like you'll have uh, you're playing with like two PlayStation Move ones, and so um, if you want to like if you want to uh, levitate or not levitate, I guess like fly or whatever, do the Iron Man like jetpack at the hands things. You'll Hold like on. hover. Yes, thank you. If you want to hover, right? Like you'll press down or you'll point down with your palms and like. Mm-hmm the triggers and that'll then like boost you up or whatever or you can like go forward by pointing back with your palms and doing the same thing or you can shoot uh by like palming upwards toward an enemy and then pressing the the um i guess center button on the move controller but then you can use your your wrist rockets by like pointing down on your palm and it's like it's stuff that is cool because it, it wants to make you feel like you're iron man but for me as somebody who likes playing video games and is like so used to using the playstation controller I'm like, okay, cool. This would be a lot easier if I could just press triangle to do the wrist rockets and press square yeah. to do this thing. I feel like I'm learning a whole new uh, way to play, which, one hand, cool. On the other hand, kind of made me frustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, overall, it just kind of was a little bit bland for me, like, in terms of the presentation and all this different stuff in the gameplay and, like, the enemies are kind of all kind of drony kind of enemies. Um, but, yeah, again, I'm only, I only just made it to Chapter 2, though. And so, like, maybe down the line, like, once things get flowing. I know Greg really liked it, um, and shout-out to Greg, because he has a cameo in the game, uh, Chapter 3, which I wanted to get to, but I don't think I will. Um, <laughs> but yeah, overall, I think it's, it's like, fine. It's fine. 
yeah. I can't play because I get motion sick very easily and I just don't even want to try it. And this does seem like a motion sick kind of game. Yeah. Rob in in our office was saying that he was getting pretty motion sick with it. And I was like, yeah, I'm just not going to. I don't get motion sick really, but I watched the gameplay he posted and I was like, yeah, I don't think I could handle this. I don't think my stomach could handle Mm. that game. Yeah. I, I I can't I had I just about made it through Batman and I love that game in VR and even then I was like I'm sick of this um I think the game that I can only rely VR game I can only reliably play without feeling sick is Tetris so oh yeah Tetris so, made me really sick man I can only do the only stuff that doesn't make me motion sick is Vive mm. Oculus I makes me Vive. sick PSVR makes me sick Have you um, tried Oculus Quest? Not yet, but Oculus Quest has probably been my best instance of yeah. VR in terms of like it working. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would, I would say give that a shot, possibly because Greg's got a um index. Uh, index, so I might. I mean, I've got a week off, I've got space in here, I might set up and play through Alex finally. Yes, you should. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about that, that later. <laughs> um, I've been playing. So, have you guys heard of Deep Rock Galactic at all? The name rings a bell. Yeah, the name it's sounds familiar. Space junking game, right? Spaceship junker game. No, it's not. So, I forget what that game's called. So, so this one is it. I guess the best way to describe it is kind of like a Left for Dead Payday sort of style game, but you're dwarves in space. Oh. And basically, it, it's a four-player co-op game. You pick your class. As you play through these areas, you get experience and resources, and you can level up your dwarves. But basically, like the point of the game is that you and friends go out on these randomized mining missions mm-hmm. that are very much set up like Left for Dead, and that there's maybe not so much different types of enemies that will like pin you down or whatever. But there are a lot of different like randomized scenarios as you dig through these uh these caves and whatnot to find resources and then bring it back it's it's super chaotic uh it's a lot of fun especially when you have friends and it's just like a very mindless sort of not really a looter shooter but kind of like a resource gathering shooter it's it's on pc and xbox it's it's really good like Mm. i'm surprised not many people are talking about it. it was an early access for a while and i think it came out finally in may maybe I didn't uh, even know it was out. Like I'd heard about it, but I don't even remember the context in which I heard about it. Um, but it sounds fun. Yeah, it, it it's really good. Like there there are kind of a lot of systems in it. Like mm-hmm. when you go to your main base or whatever your your spaceport, there's like I don't know a million different things you can interact with. Like here's you can customize your gun. You can customize your character. Here's a shop. Here's Here's a, here's a bar where you can go and get buffs for your ne- next mission, kind of like uh, Monster Hunter in that sense. Right. Um, Are there any but, cats making you dinner before you go? No, but there's a robot that serves you beer, and okay. there's like a okay. really fun game where you kick barrels into this trash can. It's hard to describe. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I'm super surprised how much fun this game is. I was playing with Tim Turry uh, and Mike Maharty. Um, and we were having a lot of fun with it. Uh, Did you say it was in Game Pass? I don't think it's in Game Pass, but it's on oh. Xbox. It's only on Xbox and PC. Mm-hmm. Is um, that cross-play? It's cross-play between... Okay. It, it, if you've got it on Windows, Windows or Microsoft, if you get it from mm-hmm. the Microsoft Store, you can play with people on Xbox. If you get it on Steam, you can only play with people on Steam. Right. 
so, so it's like kind of crossplay, kind of not crossplay. But uh, yeah, I mean, I highly recommend it. I think it, it was on sale during the uh, uh, Steam Summer Sale, which is when I first picked it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I ended up getting it again on the Microsoft Store so I could play with Tim because he was on Xbox. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I've been having a great time with it. Like, it's just, you know, mindless fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, other than that, I've been playing Civ Six, which I've found is a very good game to play right now because it's hard to focus on anything else when you're playing Civ Six because it's just like you're always thinking turns ahead. You're managing uh, your your units and your cities and whatnot. Um, but I, I was also playing that with Mike. We tried multiplayer for the first time, and like I don't know, it, it's it's a lot of fun. I forgot how good that game was because I played it when it first came out for a couple hours and I was like, I really like this game, but the games take eight hours each and I don't have time to play more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I've been having fun with that game too. I am surprised at how into it I am just because, I, I think it's just because they, I've got more time right mm-hmm. now than I do otherwise. So it's just like, I feel like I can just put my all into it and try to figure that game out. It's, complicated as hell though as someone who's never been that into the civ games trying to figure out like the difference between like a religious win or a cultural win or a, a military win is, is oh, a lot God. but uh man. yeah i've never really been into civ but people say a lot of good things about six and five and i'm like i just don't think i can put myself I just, I don't think I'd have the patience for it. That's the thing. I'm one of those people that if I don't succeed early on, I will drop off. Yeah. Um, and that'll definitely happen. Like the, the Civ six does a good job of acclimating new players. I will mm-hmm. say that like, like when I, Civ six was the first one I played and I feel like every step of the way I was getting tutorial and not like the kind of tutorials that was getting annoying, but it was like useful information that I could mm-hmm. opt out if I want to, but it was never too overwhelming like it it pretty much only gave you the tutorials when you when it thought you'd need them so it wasn't just up front telling you all this stuff uh Mm -hmm. which helped a lot but like as i'm playing through now in multiplayer where there's no tutorials i only have mike trying to explain things to me and he's not the best all the time wow (laughs) damn he's not listening he's not although although if he was if he if he came back to the fold uh, everyone's just like ragging on mike he's been he's been helpful he's been helpful there's just been some things where he'll try to explain it and I'll be like, yeah, no, I'm just going to, I'm just going to wing it and see what happens. But yeah, I, I, I've been having fun with that. I'm excited to play more Civ six. And then like everyone else too, I've been playing Ghost of Shima, but we can't talk about that. Don't talk about it. Don't ask me about it. Don't ask me about it. Anyway. title screen though. That title title screen. screen. Oh, mate. That sword. It's a good sword. Get get a grip wars on. <laughs> I, anyway, do, I do want to. I do want to. I do want to suggest the GameSpot feature. Games, yeah, GameSpot feature. Wow! Um, and I'll, I had to think about it because now every time I say it, every time I say it, I'm like, did I fuck it up? Did I? Did Tam, I Tam's watching. Thing? I'm watching. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I've got your. Wings. I've got your message conversation ready. Feel so. feel feel free to steal it since I'm saying this on a GameSpot product. You know, this is all yours. Top twenty uh, title screens in video games. Oh, Good. I think I. I think we might have already done that. Oh, really? Because I really yeah. want to see that. Because I want to um, disagree. I want to fight um, people. Number one, Super Metroid. Super Metroid's got a good one. It's 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 too good, man. It's the GOAT. Oh, we haven't done that yet. But I know we definitely talked about doing that as a feature. I think we talked about it at one point. Yeah. Man. Mass, Mass Effect 2. Oh, Mass Effect 2 is good. With the little computer and you go through. Yeah. Yeah, mate. 
It's a good feature, blessing. We'll, t- we'll take it. You yeah, we'll take it. Is the does Mario sixty four count like with with the face stretching? That's a loading screen, isn't it? No, that's the because you got to press the title screen. Right? Yeah, you got to press start. Oh yeah, you got to press start. I guess that counts. Yeah, that's a good one because I spent yeah, far too there. much time there. Yeah, <laughs> just stretching his face, pulling his nose, mate. That was the one. Yeah. Mm. Uh, anyway, moving on to the topic for this week: best games of twenty twenty so far. I. I feel like we're late to do this because it's already July and I feel like most people want to do it June, halfway through the year, but I don't know. It's the start of July. We're fine. We've let the, we've let the first half of the year completely finish. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I, I I think it's worth doing because we did it last year, I believe. And I feel like there's a lot of good games that have come out this year that Mm -hmm. need to be talked about, I guess. (laughs) Maybe not need to be talked about, but should be talked about. Uh, I mean, I figured we can just kind of open the floor. People can shout out games that they think are deserving so far of uh, some of the best games of 2020, and we can talk about it from there. I don't know if there's any that jumped to your head. I've got one that I want to talk about, but I can wait on that. Go on. Tell us more. Half-Life Alex. I was going to say, is it Half-Life Alex? It's Half-Life Alex. yeah. This is by far my favorite game of this year. But it's interesting because I don't think it'll get that many awards because I don't think many people have played it. Uh, I like tweeted the other day. I was like, hey, what are some of the best games so far? And not a single person said Half-Life Alex. And I had like quote tweeted it and I was like, no one said Half-Life Alex. That's kind of a bummer. And a lot of people were not mad at me, but like telling me that how hard that game is to play, which I agree with. Like I... (laughs) don't think that game's going to get a lot of attention you know six months from now because of how difficult it is to play but man it's such a shame because that game is i i uh, brilliant like people are like last of us 2 was a fantastic game i really liked it but i think i think when i like half-life alex does so much more to push storytelling forward in video games uh, and just the way that game is told, the way the characters are presented, the way you interact with the world that is just missing in uh, in a game, in a Naughty Dog style game, which mm-hmm. normally is at the forefront of storytelling. Um, so it's disappointing that that game is mm-hmm. going to be very difficult for people to play. Like I imagine it'll go down as a classic, like once the price of VR gets cheaper and the barrier to entry is easier to get in. Uh, I, I imagine that will be a game that people will like the other Half-Life games that will people will constantly look at as being like one of the greatest. But right now it's in this really weird position where the people who've played it know it's good, but like no one's really played it and not because they didn't hear about it, but because they just simply can't. Yeah. And also it's weird that it's like the best games of 2020 so far. To me, it doesn't even feel like Half-Life Alex came out this year because mm. my concept of time. Pre-quarantine. <laughs> or- yeah. Like right at the beginning of it. Yeah. It's it wild. feels weird. And like, yeah, I do want to play it. I'm not really a big Half-Life person, but I've heard a lot of really good things about Alex and I do want to play it. Neither am um, I, to be fair. Like I yeah. hadn't played much Half-Life until Half-Life Alex. Uh, in fact, I started Half-Life Alex and stopped because it was so good. And I was like, I got to play through oh, yeah, the original. I so, so I went through and played through all of the originals, which I didn't think it aged particularly well. I thought they were yeah. good but I wasn't obsessed with them. And I understand that part of that is just because I missed out on that time. Like mm-hmm. it, that, that technical presentation kind of just missed for me because, you know, I'm playing it 20 years after. Um, but I think it says a lot that I was like a couple hours in Alex and I was like, I got to stop. I don't mm-hmm. want to know what happens in this game until I know what happened 
beforehand. Yeah. Um, my I think my favorite game of 2020 so far. It's weird because as much as I loved playing Final Fantasy VII Remake, I thought that combat system was incredible. I don't think I've had an experience like The Last of Us Part Two in a game probably since the first. Maybe I'll type about like to say since the first last of us. I've certainly had a lot of experiences in games that have been very profoundly affecting. But I think Last of Us Part Two didn't expect to love Abby as much as I did. Um, I really enjoyed that combat loop. I think it dragged towards the end, but ultimately I really, really loved that game. And I would just I think one pro of quarantine is the games like Last of Us where you can't really dip in and out. It kind of demands a bit more of your time. It's a bit more involved. I think that was the thing that people had with Red Dead 2. It's a game that really excels when you play it in a long stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Last of Us, I would be able to put in, you know, like four-hour stints on the regular because I didn't have a commute anymore. I'd be home already. I could eat dinner pretty early and then just play through until I felt tired. And so... I really enjoyed it. I think the acting in it is phenomenal. I really enjoyed the writing. I re- I really particularly enjoyed the gameplay loop. And like, I bounced from, because Horizon was on sale. And I, and I, I think I talked about it last time I was on the podcast a few weeks ago, but it's like playing it Horizon. Really talks too much. Oh my God. <laughs> too much. She, but it's like, it's really the difference between the two where Aloy is just unbearable to listen to, and that's not Ashley Birch's fault, but it's the fact that she over-explains every single thing that she's doing. Then you go to a Last of Us game where they, it's still a third person, and a lot of the time your character is alone, but it trusts you not to go, not to have the character say, oh, I should probably look for an exit, or oh no, there's uh, wolves, I should probably avoid them. You know, like, it's, I, it's maybe just two different schools of game design, right? And I guess, you know, the difference there is that Last of Us is very much more, it's got more open areas, but it's very linear, whereas Horizon is, you know, that big open world. So maybe it's just that, but yeah, I really, really love The Last of Us. And so a miserable experience, a very emotional experience, but I think there are moments of levity in there. I think the... I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil, but everyone knows the very beautiful mission that makes everyone tear up um i'm just getting emotional yeah about it. oh yeah yeah i the way I've i kind of look at out of it now which is like no oh can you please send me the fan art yeah, please I will. please i would like to see it's that so but sweet. yeah I, the way i kind of look at the last part and the way i i, I kind of explain it is um because i know like during the pre, pre-release period i know there, there are so many people that are like hey, everything's already depressing in the real world. Do I want to mm-hmm. step into this game that's going to be this depressing experience? And I think the game does a really good job of having, like, some of the most dark and grim, like, most grim mm. moments I've experienced in a video game, but also some of the most warm and, like, you know, personal human? And, and human moments. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there are moments in that game where you see interactions with uh, Joel and Ellie, and these are no spoilers, um, but, like, there's some interactions with Joel, Joel and Ellie that, like, warned my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, there are like some interactions between even like uh, Dina and Ellie or like between oh, quite a few Dina different so characters much. that like made me go like man this game this game is doing an, an, a phenomenal a phenomenal job of uh, displaying humanity and mm-hmm. like 
you know, there there was the whole quote uh, toward the release of this game, right? I think it might have been like a year or so ago, where I think Neil Druckmann was talking about this game and explaining it as being a game about hate. And mm-hmm. I think The Last of Us Part Two is very much a game about love as much as it is about hate. Also, mm-hmm. like love, like love is as as much a a motivating uh, factor for the characters as hate is. Um, and yeah, like for me playing through the game. I remember dreading it. I remember being like, I would like, I would like for this game not not to come out right now because I just am not in the mood. I wish that somehow, and this is me speaking uh, early June, right? Like I was like, mm. man, I wish they would have somehow switched around this game in Ghost of Tsushima because Ghost of Tsushima at the time was a game where I was like, man, I am very much way more in the mood to play that type of game mm-hmm. than to play a game like The Last of Us Part Two. And mm. when I was actually playing it, uh, The Last of Us Part Two, I remember probably being like quite a few hours in, being like man, I am engrossed and I am not having a problem with this game the way I thought I was going to have a problem with this game. Like, this game is doing such an excellent job of feeling like an escape. Like, it's an escape into a world yeah. that's grim and dark and, and messed up and all these different things, but it still worked and functioned as an escape because the game is so engrossing in, in, in its story and in its world and uh, in its characters. And so I'm with you that, like, that is definitely mm-hmm. at the top of my, my list for games this year. Um, not my number one necessarily. It, m- it might Ooh. be by the time the year ends, but halfway through. One. What's your? I'm sorry. Go in... for it. Go for it. Oh no! I was gonna say, well, halfway through. What's in the running? Right now, and this could all change, but right now it's Final Fantasy VII Remake. I really hey. love that game. Yeah. I love that game. Um, and like, I have uh, because I'm a huge nerd. I have like a running document, a Google document of like all my favorite games of all time. Oh, and I, I will like too. preface this. You do too? Okay, yeah. so I'm not the only one, thank God. I do, I will preface this that, like, as of the day I finished The Last of Us Part Two, I put The Last of Us Part Two literally one space right below Final Fantasy VII Remake, right above Last of Us, coincidentally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, they're very close. And Ask me next week, it might change. But Final Fantasy VII Remake was a game for me that, um, that like, I don't know, man, knocked me out. Like, I, I was not expecting to love that game as much as I did because I did not play the original Final Fantasy VII. I have no affinity for Final Fantasy in general. Like, I kind of have this running thing where I am not able to get into Final Fantasy games. You know, I've tried playing the original. I tried playing Final Fantasy XIII, which I know is the wrong one to try and play, according to many people. Um, and, like, I also tried playing Final Fantasy XIV, which is a different thing. But, like, I've tried getting into Final Fantasies in the past. Like, even Kingdom Hearts, you know, which which are games that I like. I've never really fallen in love with those types of mm-hmm. fantasy games, uh, fantasy JRPGs. And Final Fantasy VII Remake, playing it, I was like, man, I, I don't... It's, it's this combination of the world, because it is this fantasy sci-fi meld, uh, cyberpunk, like, this melded, this melded different, you know types of types of uh i guess sci-fi fantasy um that they present to you it's that plus the characters that are feel so real despite being so anime and so like over the top uh barrett's speech toward the beginning and and even multiple speeches that that he gives throughout the game as far as him being like hey like you know uh, Mako is the lifeblood of our world and him like kind of going on the spiel of why they're eco-terrorists and why they're doing what they're doing like I f- like I felt that and I felt mm-hmm. that not only in the writing but in the performance and in the face uh, in the facial capture and all- maybe not facial capture but in the animation um, like I I felt that all there um, story moments that happen like I I don't really want to point out any of the ones I'm thinking of because of spoilers but there are big story moments that happen that for me 
um, I found really touching and really um, it, at times heartbreaking and like I don't know there's something about that game that felt like magic as I was playing through it like something about it felt like almost it almost felt like a, a Disney Pixar-ish like I can't believe y'all put this pulled this off with such quality and made me invested in the story in a way that this feels to me this Final Fantasy VII remake made me feel the way I felt playing The Last of Us on PS3 in 2013 mm-hmm. in a way where I was like this feels like it's an iconic story that's gonna like sit with me forever I, and I love the battle system. Yeah. I, I, so I've only played, like I only really played Final Fantasy 15 before 7. And I think the thing that stuck out most to me with Remake was just how confident it was compared to 15. Like 15 was like, I enjoyed that game for what it, what it was, but it was, it, was, it was kind of a mess. Like there was like, it's like kind of interesting open world decisions and, and like the combat was kind of okay, but it, it like it worked, but it wasn't, I don't know, it was lacking that punch. And like right from the beginning of seven, um, even though I don't think I liked it as much as you did, like there's, it's just, it's so hard to put down because of that confidence in the way it just like puts you right in it and you start going and the combat feels so good and it looks so good. And yeah. the music is incredible. Oh, and just music. All that comes together. Like it really, it's, it, it's so hard to just, I, I don't know. Like that's all I was doing for like three or four days. I was just playing mm-hmm. that game. Yeah, and the the way I compare it because the the Final Fantasy VII remake versus the Last of Us conversation is so hard for me because they're two completely different games, totally. they're doing completely different mm-hmm. things. It's hard to really compare them head on. But by the time I finished Final Fantasy VII remake and I was what thirty five, thirty six hours in, I did not want it to stop. I wanted the game to keep on going. I like I finished the game and immediately uh, started a new game. I wanted it to last forever. Whereas with the Last of Us Part Two, by the time I got toward the end of the game, I was like, I'm ready for this to end, and it kept going. And I was like, please stop. I can't take this anymore. Please. <laughs> and like I still love the Last of Us Part Two. Um, and I think like the 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 way in which it kind of stretched served the story, even though I felt like it kind of did a disservice to some of the gameplay. Um, like overall. Like the, I came out of those two experiences feeling such a love for Final Fantasy VII Remake and mm. more so like of a fascination and appreciation for The Last of Us Part Two. Yeah, I think for me, like you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. Like Last of Us Two storytelling is so sophisticated and like it's, it's, I think it's, it's one of the crowning achievements of narrative within video games, I, th- I feel like. Mm-hmm. And I say that as someone who... I think in other ways, I don't think it's that all that great. I found the combat to be good for a while, but then very quickly became grating and felt like a chore. And I get that there's narrative and almost like thematic um, reasoning for some of that, but it's hard to get over the fact that you're not having a good time to, to you know, appreciate the, oh, it has, it serves a purpose and, you know, the monotony of all this is kind of part of its feeling, but there's still the what it does with its kind of characterization and the themes the more it's one of those games where the more you think about it the more you can continue to find new things about it like you talked about Druckmann saying it being a game about hate and then you talked about saying oh for you it's a game about love for me I took I walked away with it thinking that this is a game about forgiveness and and not either of those two things Mm -hmm. and like that's something I've been thinking about for ages like I've been writing and deleting and writing and deleting again over and over various kind of like takes on on what it means and there's no other game this year that has you know 
is living in my mind rent free in the way that it is like it's it's i think about when i'm like sitting down in a moment i'll open my notes app and write some thoughts about it and send it to some friends and see what they think about it and that kind of stuff having said that final fantasy is a game that like you said when i finished playing i felt good i felt mm. like i had a i had it was, i felt uplifted even though the way it ends is not specifically that's not what they want you to feel it is an element of it but it just felt like a good life affirming or gamer affirming experience if you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying mm -hmm. like you, you walk away from that being like you walk out from last of us being like this is the power of video games you walk away from final fantasy thinking this is why i play video games this is why yeah. i enjoy video games this is what i want video games to make me feel if every game could make me feel like this game it would be incredible um, and like, I get the same feeling as that. I get that same feeling from Persona 5 Royale, which came out this year. Yep. And it's that, I think those three games are currently leading the pack for me as my favorite games of the year. I'm not ready yeah. to entertain and entertain a game of the year discussion because there's still loads of games coming out. And I feel like game of the year discussions frame the 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 actual discussion itself in a different way like you know what's your favorite game versus what's the most impactful what's the most important etc cetera, etc cetera. i'm just i do not have the energy to start unpicking those elements of it but i think last of us is a profound experience and easily one of the best games of the year so far it's same for um final fantasy and same for um persona 5 royal the stuff mm -hmm. that they do in persona 5 is just fantastic like the the way obviously we're on record as being the the very persona friendly uh podcast we all have people that love it uh on our on our team and then you know blessings here and blessings noted for, uh, persona 5 fan uh, oh, yeah. and persona 4 noted fan. persona liker blessing this is a crew of noted persona likers um so like Persona 5 is already a special game to many of us, but the mm. fact that they did what they did to that game to make it even better is kind oh of astounding. Yeah. It's unreal how good that game is. Like we we would have we gave it a pretty high score and f speak effusively about it. But if you had told me like a few years ago they're going to make this game even better, mm. I would not have believed it. Well, like but that's the thing. They do. That's that's the thing for me. Where Persona 5 uh, original I played in 2017. And for me, as somebody who played Persona 4 Golden uh, in, like, I think 2015, 2016 for the first time and absolutely fell in love with it, so much so that it became one of my favorite games of all time, I played Persona 5 and I had uh, so many complaints with it. I, and part of it was just the fact that, like, Persona 4 Golden being my first Persona, I just love the characters mm -hmm. more. I love the story in Persona 4 more. Like, I like the soundtrack in Persona 4 more. And I know that's, like, a, probably a controversial thing to say. But... Persona 4 just did it for me in all the, all in all these different ways. And Persona 5, like, I had complaints with, like, yeah, the, I don't know, man, the characters don't seem, like, deep or interesting enough. I don't know, man. Like, the dungeons are cool visually, but I have some problems with some of the dungeon design and some of the combat. And, like, I don't know how I feel about the balancing of the battle system and all this stuff. All the stuff I had complaints with, jumping into Persona 5 Royal, some, and I don't know how, but somehow it fixed everything in a way where now I'm like, oh yeah, Persona 5 Royal is now my, one of my favorite games of all time too. Mm. Like, it's, it's, it's crazy, right? Like, with just the, the small things they've added as, as far as features into the dungeons and the battle system, that stuff builds in a way that now makes it flow so well for me. Like the just fact that- fixing SP has done- Oh my God. So Massive. much. Massive. Yeah. Like, like it's so pass, huge. 
Oh, yeah, and um, like that combat was already pretty slick. Now it just yeah. absolutely sings. Like there's it times, flows. there's times where I'll do a standard enemy encounter and then just save the encounter because of how slickly it went. Like just the the baton pass, the exploiting weakness, the rush, all that kind of stuff. It's just like it's the most. I think it's probably my favorite RPG turn-based RPG mechanic mm-hmm. um, system. Of yeah. all time, like it feels so good, and there's there's others as well that are amazing, you know, Final Fantasy, Vagrant Story, that kind of stuff. But this one is just like top to bottom; it's just buttery smooth and so cool to watch. Um, incredible game, and like yeah, the, the new content they've added, as well as the quality of life stuff, that all being amazing. But the new content they added is like considered really well thought out and addresses things that were missing from the previous game. Like the the mental health angle is a big part of that, right? Like that was something that people came away and and were like, it doesn't really explore the impact of that and how they deal with that at all. And then they went away and did that, which is unexpected because you don't get a lot of these types of games doing exploring the angle of, I mean, mental health is a big part of the Persona and Shin Megami Tensei series as a whole, but mm-hmm. I didn't expect them to go back and retrofit it with this much amount of uh, content and address mm-hmm. that kind of stuff and speak to it. It's just so well done. And then there's a new character and all that kind of business. It's just like an amazing package for, for anyone who plays RPGs. I went um, from someone who was not going to play Persona 5 Royal because I was like, I don't know if I've got the time to dedicate. And then a couple weeks ago, I bought it on yeah, PlayStation. Or I bought it on the PlayStation store. So I think eventually I'm going to end up replaying that. Hopefully this year, uh, just because, like, like I, I don't know what I was expecting. Like, I figured, like, I knew there'd be a new character. I knew there'd be some more story mm. stuff, but I didn't think I would get the urge to play a 150-hour RPG. I mean, 110-hour yeah. RPG. I don't know. I guess I think it took me, like, 110 hours. Uh, but, like, hearing everyone talk about it and stuff like that, mm. it, it sounds like it makes some significant, meaningful additions that make me... Yeah excited some, to jump back into that some game. of them are like the interesting thing is by some of them like it took me a while to realize they were actually there because mm-hmm. yeah some yeah. of them are like just slight tweaks that improve the experience so much that it's almost like they work because you can't tell anything is yeah. wrong more than a new feature um and so like, it, I would, like i streamline days too like the, it'll just yeah. be like days yeah. oh where my God. normally yes. you wouldn't do anything it's just like all right we're just gonna jump to the next day well, now, now we've got a night <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. You couldn't go out at night. And now they've made it so that uh, within your home, you can basically do do a thing that'll add to your overall like social stats. Okay. Um, and so like if you want, you can raise your, your confidence level or your whatever level by like doing something that uh, in your in your own home, which was missing from the first game and which like makes you feel like you're not wasting time. And also you can press yeah. the, 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 the touchpad. And that'll then make it so that you can, it'll, it'll then have like automatic suggestions for things you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll like essentially teleport you to those things too, which will, which streams like streamlines it um, a great amount. That's, that's one of those games where you, you enter that flow state or the, whatever you want to call it, almost like a slipstream of gaming where if you want to tune the world out and, and just get absorbed in the game, the rhythm of Persona 5 and Persona 5 Royal more specifically is just so like, the momentum it picks up and then pulls you forward with is so good that you just forget the world exists around you, like more so than any other game. You're just so engrossed in it. Um, but yeah, I think those three games, Last of Us, Final Fantasy VII Remake, and Persona 5 are leading the pack. But I do have a list of games in front of me if you want me to shout them out. And 
Sure. What, yeah, what came out this year that we forgot about? So there's a game that I do want to give a shout out to, which I've played a ton of, and a game that I thought I was done with, but I've been playing it again, is Animal Crossing New Horizons. Oh my God, that was this year. That was this year. Oh, yeah. Um, that is a game that I have spent, I think, like 250 hours. It's a shame Callie's not on today because she would she would be the one championing this game for sure. But that's a game that I do want to give a shout out to because, like... A, it was such a phenomenon. It still is. Like the amount of people who are so invested in this game was absurd. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I know Nintendo. I'm sure Nintendo knew it was going to be a success, but like probably not to this extent. I don't know how they could have predicted. Like you know, Gary Witta's talk show, which ended up being huge yeah. and getting all these celebrities on it. Sting, to, Sting was on it. Yeah, Danny Trejo was on it. Like all <laughs> Danny these Trejo was a recurring character on it. Yeah, yeah. a recurring it, guest which is which is insane but like even beyond that too like so many people have gotten a switch just for this game and it is connected with so many people who normally wouldn't play games or be interested in and like but it's also connected with someone like me who i've been a fan of all the animal crossing games i've played them all um at least all the mainline ones but like this one it, it just seems to work so well with how they're implementing updates with seasons like it seems like a big thing that was missing from Animal Crossing and all the previous games, like is now there because of this whole like what are they called lifestyle games where they update as they go or live service games, and and, and I feel like just the Animal Crossing formula has been perfected. I mean, if there even was an Animal Crossing formula, um, and that's a game that you know, like I said, I thought I was done with, but I am still playing every single day, even if it's just for a couple minutes, and like it always. I don't know, like Tamora was saying how Final Fantasy made him feel really good. And like, it, it was a game that made you feel great. And I feel the same way about Animal Crossing. And that like, even if I play like 20 minutes or so, usually I'm walking away in a good mood because I don't know, I chatted with one of my villagers or I caught a fish that I've been trying to catch for a while. And, and the writing is super clever and fun. Uh, I, I like, I got so many good things to say about that game. Glad to hear it. <laughs> Let me tell you about a game called Predator Hunting Grounds, which I know oh, all no. you guys are, are. I know all you guys are too cowardly to shout it out. It makes me too motion sick. I've played that many times. I've I've also fought through motion sickness to play that with Greg and you guys. Motion so. sick. I, I don't know how you guys get motion sick playing this game. This game is buttery. Rate. The frame rate is the frame rate. And like, there's a way that it moves. Like, there's the. There's a slight disconnect between what you're doing and on the controller and the way it moves oh, yeah. that just makes you yeah, feel the, like... Yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. Oh, when you press that is. aim button, man, okay. it takes like the, the slide and that kind of stuff is just like... Oh, it's so, it's so, it's so janky, janky, but I love it. It's so janky. Like, um, it's, it, I really enjoyed... I will say, I really enjoyed it when we played the beta and had a lot of fun with it and it was really janky. But then I played it when it came out and it was just so, like it was the motion sickness that did it for me like i just i physically can't play it which sucks and i don't know what changed between beta and final release and maybe they fixed it now but i had such they a haven't. bad time that take that like just after launch and we all played together that i had to lie down for the whole afternoon and just like not look at stuff they, they haven't fixed that and on the day that it came out i got it and installed it and i got a bug the bug was you know, on this main screen where it shows you your predator, that yes. none of none of that none of that was textured for me. So it was just a bunch of triangles that look vaguely like the predator. So it looks awful, and it doesn't have any hands. It doesn't have a head. It's just like parts of its body floating there. 
I want to. I want to hear this, why it's one of your favorite games, though. Blessing. I don't want yeah, to yeah. shit on it. <laughs> to, to this day, if I load the game up, it is still like that. That's perma- <laughs> that is permanently my version of Predator now on the screen, and like I'm just like, oh god. And that's like, I enjoy playing that game with you guys specifically, um, especially with like you know when you're on and uh, Greg's on and Andy's mm-hmm. on and and like other folks are are jumping in like Nick's on. That's fun. That's fun to play, and it makes it worth feeling sick to play it. But if Fair. I, will, I will, I will never of my own volition go. Time to fire up some Predator. Oh, and that's actually where I'm where I'm at with it too. Like, I don't think it's one of the best games of 2020 by any stretch. Um, but it is a game that came out in 2020. <laughs> that I will say that I is if, if I was making a list that was top 10 games of 2020 that I've had the most fun with. Mm-hmm. I could see it possibly making that list. Like it is, it is a good time, especially w- with friends uh, uh, to play with. But yeah, no, I, I just want to give it a shout out as a game that came out in 2020. Uh, I, if if it's okay with you, Jake, podcast master, host master, I'll shout out some games that I've got on a list. Yeah, read them off. People can. So we've done a feature. I think it should be up fairly soon, or is up, which is basically the best games of the 2020 so far. Um, and as part of that, we kind of put a bunch of games into a spreadsheet. So I'm going to read them out. I'm going to do one either. more quickly. Doom Go Eternal. On. Doom Eternal is on my That was the first list. one I was going to say. I, I figured that would be on there and I want to make sure we get to it before. Yeah. How, do you guys, how do you guys feel about the conversation around Doom Eternal? Because I feel like that's a game that everybody expected to come out and blow us all away. And then it came out and I think it blew us all away, but nobody's really I, talked about it since. I bounced off that game too. It, like, it felt really? like it was trying to do too much. I, I went in there. Maybe it's my own fault for expecting more of the same, but I wanted, I wanted a, like a slick, focused, fast-paced shooter that I could play um, and like almost barrel through and get, just get like, the satisfaction out of. And it's doing the thing where it's like go to the ship and go back and these open-ish environments that you have to mm-hmm. platform around. I'm just like, I'm not here for that. I just want, I just want the, the ish shredding metal music and jumping around, firing rockets and shooting guns. And it felt like it overcomplicated itself. Like it, it had a good thing going and it was like, ha- tried to be too smart. I was like, and then you add this ability and that ability. And it's like, I don't need that. But it I mean, also it, it came out the same day as Animal Crossing, which, yeah, you know, completely dominated the conversation. Yeah. Um, also, also another game that's got like motion sickness vibes to it. Well, uh, no, they fixed, they fixed it for Eternal. The, they actually put, uh, especially on the console version, they've added a bunch more accessibility options and you can, because I, I couldn't do Doom 2016, but Eternal, I could play. Yeah, so I, I never mess with the, the console accessibility. It's this game I want to go back to because I did enjoy playing it. Also, it's an amazing case, use case for the uh, Xbox Elite controller because oh yeah, you just press all the things and you're doing all the things on like the screen. Um, so like I, I want to use it more for that. Um, but yeah, it, it yeah. kind of like came and went really quickly. If yeah. I if I if I had one complaint with Doom Eternal, it would have been the fact that I feel like the game moves faster than like both I can handle and both like the design of the game could handle. Cause at a certain point, especially towards the end of the game, I feel like there's so many enemies that they threw, uh, threw in there with you. Um, and especially the Marauder, I think it was, is the guy that like, mm-hmm. makes forever I to kill. Not like the Marauders. Yeah. That dude was doing way too much. Um, but yeah, they would like throw Marauders at you. They throw like a bunch of different people while the Marauders there. And like, at a certain point I was like, man, this is going way too fast. Like I cannot keep up. There, there are too many enemies on screen. There's too much happening. Um, that said, I I had an absolute blast with it. Like, you know, uh, Doom 2016 
is one of my favorite, if not my favorite first person shooter of this generation. Um, and like, I mean, that's for, I think obvious reasons, right? Like it, it came out and it, re- it, it reinvented Doom. It was super smooth, super um, focused and straightforward in terms of what it came out to, to be uh, and do. Doom, Doom Eternal felt like it, it saw Doom 2016 and was like, all right, let's do that. Let's do that, but let's up the ante. And the ways in which it upped the ante might've, they might've, they might've upped it too much. Um, Low, bring the ante back control. down a bit. Yeah. yeah, that's why I'm like, man, I because I love Doom Eternal, but if they're gonna make another Doom, I would like them to be like, all right, let's let's turn it down a little bit. Let's yeah. take a step back. Let's uh let's go back. Relax. To, let's relax. Uh, and maybe like get more linear. I don't know. I think I'm with you there because as much yeah. as I did like that game, uh, and and it'll, I mean, I imagine if it is on my top ten, it might be on the lower end of it, but like that is a game that it it. I feel like it demands a lot of you, uh, which isn't a bad thing. Like that's probably one of my favorite things about it, but like, I couldn't just binge that game. Like I couldn't just sit down and play through it. I'd have to take breaks. And the problem with that was that like, as you get further, the more it throws at you, then it's like trying to remember how you deal with every enemy type, mostly the Marauder because the Marauder, your strategy is completely different. And like, I don't know. I imagine I'd be curious to hear your experiences like tomorrow going back to it after not playing it for a while. Cause I feel like, that might be not fun. <laughs> my plan is to, once I get my new PC, play on that. And oh yeah, that that'll yeah, probably man. because my my yeah. uh, I'm way more comfortable with mouse and keyboards with shooters, and also specifically that game because mm-hmm. like the the flick of the wrist that you need to to move around and you know uh, react to what's happening around you is so demanding, and I just can't get it on a controller. There there is a flow state that you can enter playing that game. Absolutely. Like, totally. yeah. It, it it is that type of game where once you get into it, like you, for me, I felt like I was entering a new dimension, which I think is the magical <laughs> thing about Doom Eternal is that it kind of transports you into that world, and you feel like you're like you are um uh what's his name um Doom guy Doom Slayer like you feel like you are him, you are embodying him, and you're fucking going a million miles per hour like yeah. slaying things. And when when it does that, it is a blast. And like I like that's honestly my I I don't really have like any heavy complaints with the game like i think mm. the game is overall fantastic yeah. but like it's not that much more fantastic than doom 2016 is and i think that's kind of where mm. as far as like the best games of 2020 go that's kind of where the conversation kind of ends with it it's like yeah it's another one of those have you this is a bit of a tangent but have you guys <laughs> watched any clips of uh uh when joe rogan interviews uh hugo martin no, it no, painful. It is absolutely painful. What? Because uh, he got him on the show for some reason. Like, I was curious because I was like, why is Hugo Martin on Joe Rogan? So I like clicked in, watched a little bit of it, but it is absolutely painful. I'm sure I'll get hate from people who listen to this because people love Joe Rogan, but like, it oh, is God. so hard to watch most of the interview is is joe rogan being like but why is why isn't there like multiplayer why can't we like 1v1 each other and and uh hugo's like ah you know we just didn't make that kind of game and he's like but man that's like the best part of games when i can when we can do one-on-ones and he's like why is he on joe rogan i don't know it was just like it was so confusing like i was just i saw it and i was like oh my god that's funny i want to see joe rogan actually never mind i was gonna I was gonna say yeah. I want to see Joe Rogan interview Jonathan Blow, but I actually don't. Yeah, no, I don't, don't want to see that. I don't want to see Joe Rogan interview anyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, another game that came out this year, Streets of Rage Four. Ooh. I haven't played that. I want to. It's a good game. Same. It's fun. 
Um, I'm just uh, gonna shout, re- shout out to uh, Hunt Down is what it's called. I think. Yeah, I think it's called Hunt Down. Uh, similar kind of game, like side scrolling, shoot 'em up. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a boss rush ish game. Um, because what you're doing mostly in that game is, bo- is boss battles. Really, really fun game. It's probably one of my favorite uh, indie games I've played so far this year. Hmm. All right, are you ready to feel really feel the passage of time? Yes. Yeah. Dreams came out this year. Oh God. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah and i would put that up there for me at least i really like dreams yeah it's it a good game uh obviously call, call of duty Warzone, uh a bunch of games that are like uh perhaps not as uh garnering as much attention as uh, like the last of us but like pokemon mystery dungeons rescue team ds came out evans remains came out if found shantae and the seven sirens uh xenoblade chronicles definitive edition um, oh yeah! Over to our resident weeb, Jake Decker. <laughs> that game was good. That game was really good. I gave it a nine. I liked it a lot. I. It's hard for me to like think about games that came out like that. That's what a 2007 game that got remastered. So when I'm thinking of my favorite games of 2020, that probably won't be on the list. Um, but it is, you know, a superb game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, a Resident Evil Three remake came out this year. Yeah, I did. did not like it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I was I, disappointed. I was. I didn't play it because I like Resident Evil Three a lot, and I was like, I just I'm good. I'm alright. In, in a in like a in a vacuum, it's a really good game. But mm. coming off of Resident Evil Two, playing yeah. Resident Evil Three was such yeah. a bummer to me. Yeah, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Ooh, game I, I have that game. I have it. I haven't played it yet. It's really good, but also yeah. it felt like a chore every moment I played it. I, I think that. I just I, I wasn't I don't know if I just wasn't in the mindset for it, but the things that I usually love about Metroidvanias were just really annoying me. Like I'd reach well, a dead end and be like, oh, why is this well, a dead my, end? That's my thing is like, why haven't Metroidvanias evolved? Like that's my main that was kind of my main critique with Ori and the Will of the Wisp. Like you get to dead ends and I feel like at a certain point somebody should have thought of the idea to let us draw on the map and let us like, or give us icons like they have in Breath of the Wild where you can, yeah. you can find an X mm-hmm. icon and place that on the map. So you know that you, like you personally know that you're not supposed to go there. Um, like keep that really interesting line of game yeah. developers making for. Blessing. I think that's an, yeah, it's an interesting line of thought because like the, the, the evolution of the Metroidvania genre seems to have come at the expense of it because instead of evolving that genre, people have just taken the core of it and made new genres which is like wild because like, you know, it's instead of it's like a roguelike or whatever it may be. And so like that, that genre has just kind of fallen by the wayside, the core of it. And instead of trying to evolve it, people, it very quickly went from being this new exciting genre to being a genre that you now pay homage to almost like too quickly. Like instead of doing the next evolutionary step, we've got Igarashi doing, I'm making a symphony of the night like game, which is like, why yeah. Why are you doing like that? Curse of the Moon 2 is about to come out, I think. Mm. Yeah, like don't make that same game again. Make the next phase in that game. And maybe it's maybe we're asking for too much by trying to come up with new ways. I feel like you can do stuff like that, which is quality of life stuff. But, you know, instead of just moving on to another genre, but who knows? Maybe yeah. that is I, the evolution and we're, we're like not giving it a credit. At, at a certain point, and like this is going to sound controversial, but I don't mean it in a controversial <gasps> way. I feel like you know, once you play one Metroidvania, you kind of played them all in a sense that like, or in the world, the world, the wisp individually is like a very excellent game. And mm. like, honestly, it's also a very touching game. Like it's, it's a very mm. beautiful game. They do such great things with it. But 
like in terms of the the rounds I'm going through in my head as I'm playing the game, I'm like, okay, cool, yeah. Now I find the new ability. Now I'm able to go to this place I haven't been to before. Okay, cool. I go there. Oh, sweet. I can explore a bit. All right. Dead ends. Sweet. New ability. Found it. Now I can go through the dead ends. And it's it's that same kind of gameplay loop mm-hmm. in a way where, like, yeah, but we've seen Metroidvania is kind of adapted and turned into some, like, adapted and either, like, turned into another genre or, um, I guess, adapted in ways where you get games like Batman Arkham Asylum, which is pretty much for all intents and purposes a metroidvania but it is doing it in a way that works for i guess this third person action design um we see metroidvanias kind of grow and evolve in that way uh to where to where now like me playing an actual metroidvania that is like hey we're we're making a a super metroid or we're making a castlevania something and symphony of the night just feels way less exciting to me Mm. yeah i think a couple weeks ago someone had asked us to question like what are some tropes in indie games that you're tired of and mine was metroidvania because Mm -hmm. i like like you were saying like i feel like once you've played a handful of metroidvania games like you kind of hit those same notes every single time um that said though like that word always gets me excited when like there's a game it's like oh yeah it's gonna have metroidvania elements i'm like oh what does that mean (laughs) like that, that could be cool yeah that's me and roguelite like if you say roguelite i'm like oh yeah that too yeah let's go but like Roguelites are kind of kind of have the same thing where a lot of them are doing are do have the same kind of gameplay loop, but they're still satisfying though. So all right, I'm okay with it. I'm gonna rattle off some names just to get through them because I know we've been running for a bit now and we want to wrap yeah, it up. We got a just so they get too. mentions. Yeah. So other games that came out that are noteworthy: um, Valorant, Undernight Ember, Fexe, Lazy LR. I'll just call it that. Clear. It's probably wrong. Yeah. Treachery and Beatdown City, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, Fe uh, Encore. Wonderful 101 Remastered, SpongeBob Battle for Bikini Bottom, Murder by Numbers, Minecraft Dungeons, MLB The Show, Kunai, Kentucky Route Zero, Act 5, Journey to the Savage Planet. That's when Jake played. Um, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, which I reviewed and thought was good. Um, Golf on Mars, Gears Tactics, Dragon Ball Z, Kakarot, Desperados 3, I think. Oh, wow. How long is this year? Come on, I and forgot Conquer, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot came out. I think that I think that come on, um, Bleeding Edge, Neo <gasps> 2. Oh, yeah, Bleeding, Bleeding Edge came mm. out and died this year. <laughs> did, did you guys play it? I oh, played it, it for was a bit. sent out to die by Microsoft. Yeah, yeah. that's a bummer, um, man, because I love Ninja yeah. Theory. Yeah, I mean, that they they were bought for Hellblade, right? They weren't yeah. bought for Bleeding Edge. Um, Neo 2, and of course, the biggest game of the year, Clubhouse Games. <laughs> oh, actually, I was gonna bring up Clubhouse Games uh, and like my what 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 have I been playing segment. I I like that game though. Yeah. That game should have done a lot more in its um for online. four person online. It was very yeah. it's very it's very much a bummer that like only like five games are playable for four people online in that mm-hmm. game. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, those those are kind of like the main the the big standouts from the year so far that we've kind of identified. So yeah, and SpongeBob was on there. Yeah, you know, that's a, isn't that a game people, spot? Two out of ten. Yeah. No, but this is this is this is a list of games that are noteworthy that came out, not necessarily oh, the no, best okay. games of the year. Uh, one game I don't think we reviewed that I am excited to try out that a lot of people are saying is one of their favorites is Sludge Life. Oh uh, yeah. I don't know if you guys. Oh, did that come out? It. It's it's on Epic like Store Epic right game now. Store, it's free yeah. on Epic Games Store, I think. <laughs> but it's supposed to come to Switch too. It said it was out on Switch. I could not find it on the Switch store the other day. And okay. I was looking. Maybe it's been pushed Wait, back. Wait, is that the game where they... No, no, that was... Um, there so was one game I... where they announced the Switch version and the developer was like, hmm? 
Oh, that was indivisible. That was indivisible. Oh, yeah. 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 Literally was last week, I was looking up Sledge Life. Yeah, I was the other day because like so everyone was saying how good it is, and I was like, oh, I want to check that game out, but I don't want to play it on. I want to play it on my Switch, and it, it's not there. This is a this is specifically a reference just for Lucy and any other British person. But every time someone says Sludge Life, I hear it as Park Life in my head. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sludge Life. Oh. Uh, shout, shout out to Jump Rope Challenge on Switch. Oh yeah, what a game! What a game! <laughs> what a game. Um, <laughs> this is gonna sound like a joke, but I'm being totally serious. One of my favorite games of this year so far has been Star Wars Episode One Racer. Um, that came that re released. Uh, this last week, maybe it was two weeks ago, on PS4. Mm-hmm. And I, I heard I, that it's a great game unless you're you're really bad at it and can't get the platinum. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. I, is somebody sneezing? By the way, in one, in one of your houses. That's great. Okay, I was like, that sneeze sounds really familiar. Um, <laughs> yeah, you've heard that sneeze. He, okay? he does. Once he if he sneezes, he sneezes, once he like, sneezes a thousand times. Yeah, I was gonna say he's he sneezes like five times in a row. He's, he's done. done. He's, he's done. done. Okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I tried to get the platinum in episode one racer and the platinum was broken for me. I think because I used cheats toward the beginning of my playthrough. Oh, you cheated. Cheaters yeah. don't Cheat. win. I, I was confused because some of the trophies, <laughs> some of the trophies seem like they wanted me to cheat to get it. Cause there was like a trophy that was like win a race in mirror mode. And the way the, I looked it up online and the way mm-hmm. to unlock mirror mode was to put in cheats. But apparently also if I beat a track, I just, I then unlock mirror mode. I don't know. The, there were some of the some of the cheats worked to get me trophies is what i'm saying and the fact that like some of the cheats might have locked me off from other tro- trophies how's that fair i don't, I don't consistency so we want again in it ridiculous yeah but um i had a blast of that game and also burnout paradise for switch oh yeah i've been wanting to play that again anyway i know these are old games but listener questions mm-hmm. yes all right uh, before we get into the listener questions, if you want us to read your question on the show, you can email us at afterdarkpodcast at gamespot.com or you can join our Discord by DMing anyone. Well, not don't DM Blessing. He won't be able to get you into the GameSpot Discord. But tomorrow, Lucy or myself can get you right into the GameSpot Discord and there's a channel right there where you can sound off questions or you can just chat with other listeners and whatnot. It's a very good community. Um, but the first question here comes from Lucent Light. Lucy, do you want to read this first one? Hello, yeah. Uh from Lucent Light, has there been games that you didn't play for a long time because of your feeling of anticipation was greater than actually playing the game? For me, when Breath of the Wild came out, I was so excited to play and enjoy the game that it took me a while to actually play because that anticipation made me happy and I didn't mind waiting, even though nothing was stopping me. Uh... I did this with Skyrim. I mean, I guess I played Skyrim when I first got it. But oh, I me too, I only played a little bit of it and I knew it was going to be something I was... Like I was waiting for it for years, super yeah. excited for it. And like, I think like Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 came out around the same time, or maybe it was like Black Ops or something. I don't remember. Uh, I bought, I don't know. I bought it with, in the, with Assassin's Creed Revelations. And oh, I okay. stupidly played Assassin's Creed Revelations first, then I played Skyrim, even though I had both of them and I could have done both at the same time. But I, I think I did or no, maybe it was Left 4 Dead 2. I don't know. There was a lot of games that came out that year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I remember that being a game that I played about 20 minutes of and I like stopped, not because I wasn't into it, but because I was enjoying how excited I was to play it, I guess. Yeah. And plus there was a bunch of other great games that were out. So I just set it aside. And then, you know, a month or two later came back to it and sunk a lot of time into it. But I think even when I was done with it, I was like, yeah, I didn't like that as much as Oblivion and just kind of, 
I had that with XCOM Chimera Squad recently. I was so excited to play it, and then I bought it, and the moment I bought it, just every bit of excitement dissipated. Like, I was just, like, done. I was more excited for the prospect of having XCOM than actually playing it. I'm sure I'll get to it eventually, but I was just like, okay. Yeah, that came out this year too, right? Yeah, it did, yeah. <laughs> Runs like absolute trash on everything for some reason, though. Um, Blessing, what about you? I feel like Death Stranding might be one for me, where, oh. like, that game I was I was super excited for. Like, I don't think I had been ex- as excited for many other games as I was for Death Stranding. Um, just because I'm a big Kojima person and the idea of him uh, working on a new IP just like seemed very exciting to me but that game came out around the same time as pokemon sword and shield and then also jedi fallen order mm-hmm. and like by the time those games were coming out i was like all right i might prioritize death Stranding last because like i'm already excited for it i could i'm fine with like you know maintaining this this excitement especially like after reading reviews and saying that like so many people were like this game's actually kind of boring uh i, I was kind of fine putting it off for that and then, yeah, by the time I actually got to it, like, I was still, like, I was still kind of really excited for the game, and I was still somewhat a fan with it, even like with a, a fan of it, even without necessarily having played it. I just like mm-hmm. the idea and like the uh, what I had seen of gameplay and 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 the thought of it. Um, I played some of it, and at a certain point, I kind of like fell off just because other things happened, and I've not gone back since. Like, and that's not a, that's it's still a game where I'm like, yeah, I had a like it was a it was. I consider it fantastic. I consider it really cool. Like, I like a lot. I like a lot of what the game is doing. But at the same time, I've just not had it in me to kind of go back to it. Um, and I, yeah, that's that, that's kind of where where that answer is at for me. Mm. I, think, I think I'm going through that now with the PC version, where I'm so hyped yeah. for the PC version, and I'm worried that when it comes out, I'm just going to be like, yeah. I am um, the biggest surprise of 2020 for me is how excited I am to play Death Stranding again on PC because I didn't even like the game all like I thought it was great but it just didn't I, I was frustrated most of the time playing that game even though overall I did like it but for some reason I think it's just like seeing that game run on PC I'm like I'm like yeah I'm ready for this I'm ready to go back and mm. do an, do it in widescreen and max out the graphics and whatnot and just you know be Norman Reedus for a little gonna bit use mods like the moment he's got like infinite sprint, make him like the road runner. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, next question from Depressed Carbon. Do you want to take this one tomorrow? Sure. Uh, has there been a game that even though it's old, you went back and played, mostly speaking about consoles, although playing Half-Life. Has there been a game that even though it's old, you went back and played? I think mine I think would I have think to... I think they're talking about like, re-plugging in an old console oh after the fact yeah. i think mine would have to be ocarina of time which was not of my generation although it is not that old that it's still graphically outdated um i find it to be still visually appeal pleasing and the music is some of my favorite video game music next to undertale i hope you guys are doing well and stay safe so basically going back after yeah. the fact and playing this person has good opinions yeah yeah by the way yeah depressed carbon you've got good opinions blessing approved i approve yeah. Um, Super Smash Bros. Melee was one for me that I I guess I haven't played recently but that's a game that I'd always go back to because I did not like Brawl at all and I got rid of my Wii but I never got rid of my GameCube I'd always hook up my GameCube well I've gotten rid of my GameCube since then but like I kept that for so much longer and I'd always plug that back in just to play Super Smash Bros. Melee um, 
for me, it's difficult because all of my old consoles are up at my mum's and I kind of left them there when I moved. So I haven't really gone back and played anything old in a long time. Um, yeah, that's my answer, sadly. Playing Dishonored, like, it's not that old. but like, that's, that's the same console generation, right? Because I'm playing true. Definitive Edition. True. Um... Well, I guess I did play Mass Effect 1 again last summer, but I played it on PC this time, technically. I did start it on, I did start it on Xbox, I played it, and then, but then I changed it to PC. I think that, that counts, though. Mm. I I do regular playthroughs of Metal Gear Solid, and um, yeah, I, at this point I'm doing it on the Vita, because it's just easier. Oh, how is um, it playing? Are you playing through, uh, like, 2 and 3, or uh, 1? I know I I'm playing through over. one at the moment. At the moment, <laughs> at the moment, um, uh, I'm playing through one. Yeah. Um, okay. Have you played? Do, three, have you played two and three on the Vita? I have played two and three on the Vita. It's and it requires a little finger gymnastics to get it done properly for stuff like okay. you know when you aim first person and then look and then like get on your tippy toes yeah. to like shoot and that kind of stuff. It, it involves like the touchpad as well to get the uh, the menu system up and you can fiddle with it, but it doesn't feel elegant, but it feels playable. Um, sadly, they they are taking it uh, out of Game Pass fairly soon, I believe. So, oh, are they really? Um, yeah. Otherwise, that would be the way I'd recommend um, you play two um, and three in the HD collection. Um, but yeah, uh, th- that's is that's a game that I would go back to a lot, and I always pl- I regularly play the beginning of Super Metroid, just like the just until the point where it starts to open up like the opening sequence and then do a bit of like a few of the early areas just because it feels good to play that game um yeah those are the, probably the two i play most frequently yeah i i love going back and revisiting old games especially ones that i haven't played so like star wars episode one racer for the most part was a game that i hadn't played much of as a kid i played it at a friend's house um but that was only like the first few tracks of it and so like actually going through and playing uh, through all the tracks was a really fun time for me. Uh, I played Banjo Kazooie all the way through for the first time in 2016, toward the end of 2016, and it became like one of my favorite platformers. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, Ocarina of Time was a game I played for the first time in like 2013, um, and really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, like I, t- I, t- I tend to regularly go back to to games um, just because I, I, I don't know. There's something about older games that I feel like are fun at least for me as somebody who was an n64 kid uh and like spent so much time with that and the ps2 growing up i feel like for me i going back to those consoles one is kind of nostalgic but then also i feel like they translate well for me in terms of Mm. games not aging up well or whatever like i'm able to play a ps2 game kind of almost in the same mindset as i would have played it in uh in like 2003 or whatever when the ps2 was still relevant all right. Following up on the Press Carbon's question, is there an old game that you enjoyed but can't go back to it due to its graphics controls, et cetera, being old or janky? That one's from Robert J. Uh, first one that comes to mind for me are like Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, as much as I love those games, I feel like I've tried to play them again a couple times and it just didn't it didn't hit like it did back in 2004 whenever it came out. Mm. Uh, Last of Us, man. Oh really? I tried really? to play. I tried to play that at the end of last year, and it just feels so different. Like it feels like a very 2013 game, and mm-hmm. it just doesn't feel smooth to play. 
at all. And that was back before Naughty Dog had really figured out shooting. Like I have always said, and I've always believed that the shooting in the Uncharted games has never felt satisfying up until four and lost legacy mm-hmm. i agree um Agreed. and yeah i think last of us was still very much in that ballpark and it just feels i don't know it just feels very very different um but i love i love the story so much that like in the lead up to two i decided to just watch a let's play through instead of playing it again um it's not even like that it feels bad or that it looks bad, it still looks great. It's just, it just felt different to me. And I just, like, I just felt like I didn't really want to go back and play it. It's just like, just awkward enough to make mm-hmm. it not, not enjoyable, not not enjoyable, but like, mm-hmm. it just doesn't feel comfortable. Like it yeah. feels weird. Yeah. Yeah. That's my thing. I'm trying to think of one, but I can't think of anything that, mm-hmm. like, just to throw it out there, I've been I've been watching uh, one of our listeners, Foggy Bear. I've been watching his stream, and he was streaming Walking Dead season one. And oh, man, wow. that is a game I could never return to. As much as I liked it when it came out, watching him play was just like, oh boy, this game really? has uh, aged a lot. Like the writing wow. is still great. Wow. The yeah. writing is still really good, but like, I don't know. I walk. I you know when they're at the hotel and he's like walking around trying to get chalk, and he's just like blindly walking around he's like i've talked to everyone i don't know what i'm missing and then you find a piece of chalk and it triggers the next scene and it's like in what world does finding a piece of chalk like trigger i I don't know it it's so strange it made sense at the time but watching it i was like yeah there's no way i can i miss telltale man i do too i mean walking dead season two is happening somehow walking walking dead oh sorry um oh wolf among us that is one that i'll definitely play yeah i will 100 percent play that i I love love wolf among us Us. and i really liked walking dead too to be fair like i don't want to like i thought that game was fantastic at the time and in some regard i still do but man watching someone play through that again i was like nah i don't think i could do it Mm. there's like platformers from the 90s era that i would love to be able to play again but i just can't because they feel bad like even like the Spyro games, I mean, they've been remastered since, and they feel a bit better. But like the crashes of Spyros and there's various other like platformers from back in that generation that I'm like, oh, I could try that, but probably is not. I'd rather preserve my memory of it than actually replay it and potentially tarnish that. That's fair. For me, th- I mean, it's it's a game that I've not, I I didn't necessarily love back in the day because I didn't play much of it back in the day, but like every time I try to play Resident Evil Four, for some reason I'm not able to get into it, which is probably like my most controversial video game opinion. You are coming like, in here with the controversial opinions today. Yeah, Res- my Resident Evil Four takes have gotten me in, in in hot water uh, in the past, but for some reason that game's never been able to to do it for me. And I and I mainly blame the fact that I don't think the controls have aged well. Like I like. No, like, uh, I mean I agree with you that I think yeah. I haven't. Like yeah. that game did so much, but it does feel very, very awkward to go back to. Um, I've, I've finished, I've beaten that game once and I've started it probably 16 times. <laughs> like not, I, I, I really like it. It's really good. Um, like it's the one first- of my favorite games, but like for some reason, I've just, it, it's difficult to get through that. Cause I think it's cause the opening of that game, I think it's like incredible. Mm-hmm. And then when it starts to get to the, the castle areas, when I kind of start to lose yeah. Lose interest on repeat yeah. playthroughs. The furthest I've gotten in that game is playing it on the Wii 
Um, because Good I think be, yeah, like it surprisingly, like I think it controls pretty well, but I got to a point where I was like, I am tired of holding my hands up, <laughs> like, <laughs> like constantly. I like legit, I physically got tired of it, and I was like, I'm not playing this game anymore, I'm not gonna keep doing this. Um, but that was the closest I got to actually like playing through that game. Anyway, any last minute, last minute games to shout out before we wrap this thing up? Mm-mm. Nope. All right. Well, that's been episode 49 of GameSpot After Dark. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, Lucy and Tamor, for joining. And thank you, Blessing, for guesting on this episode. I know it was pretty mm-hmm. last minute. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was an awesome time. Uh, Tamor, invite me we'll, back. Invite me back, preferably we'll, when Michael Hyam we'll, is on. We'll have Michael on. Too. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. He texted, uh, Tamor- he texted me actually something to, to say to you guys. Um, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. I had to text back and be like, can I say this on the episode? But he, <laughs> he, he, he told me I could say it. And so if this is inappropriate, Michael's in trouble, not me. Mm. Uh, he told me that if I see Jake and Tam, uh, tell them to eat his ass from the front. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That, w- that wouldn't be the first time. Uh, okay. Fiam's told me to <laughs> SMDFB and eat his ass from the front. Tomorrow, where can people find you on Twitter? And you can find me. On? You can find me on uh, Twitter at Tomorrow H. Um, I'm working on what the hell am I working on? Uh, th- things. A lot We're of things. We're gonna do the audio logs thing tomorrow. Oh yeah, we've got audio logs. Oh yeah, we've got audio logs to <laughs> work on. Um, we're doing the charity streams. Charity streams are winding down this they'll week. They'll be done. They'll be. Oh, no, there'll be one left. This, there'll be one. The Friday one is a kind of uh, after dark live. Uh, that's the chill plan stream. anyway chill stream where it's going to be a few of us just chatting and talking about the play for all experience um while we're talking about that we just launched our GameSpot store merch store specifically for um currently for uh, uh play for all so if you go to store.gamespot.com you'll find a bunch of really cool um merchandise there that you can buy there's a a t-shirt which is really cool it's just like really low-key play for all logo there's a hoodie there there's a face mask there's a skateboard deck there's a touch tool uh, that you can press things without actually using your fingers and a poster that's really cool all proceeds from that um until the uh from june to the end of august 2020 go directly 50 50 split between um direct relief and black lives matter so any money that you spend there is going for a good court going to good causes and you also get something cool out of it we've got the t-shirts um uh, and the poster i've seen we've got uh, ourselves and they are super high quality um mm-hmm. so it's worth checking out i actually really like the t-shirts and a lot of the stuff on there because it's like kind of minimalist it's not yeah it doesn't hit you with like crazy colors and logos it's just very very subdued which I like mm. uh yeah. lucy how about you i'm on twitter at lucy james games and i've got a week off so peace out lads i'll see you in a week <laughs> you're gonna miss episode 50 as well actually i, <laughs> I know keep, i keep forgetting that i've also got a week off I'm like, you're gonna miss episode 52 i mean Damn. It's not like it will go in anywhere. If I you mean, need to say, I'm just yeah. I mean, we'll dial in. Text us, man. <laughs> I've like I've done my taxes this week. Next week, I have to sort out my student finance. I'm organizing my closet. I'm cleaning my bathroom. Like I've got big plans. Mm. But take a crack no, at Half Life, Alex. Maybe, um, but there's nothing that would drop. I've, I've lined up Diablo. I'm ready to play some Diablo. Cannot wait. <clears throat> I can't tell if you're being serious or not. No, no seriously. He's being serious. He's being serious. <laughs> he's being serious. <laughs> I need to buy it cheap. I, I missed the sale. But Greg's, also I've Greg, got the Sims. Greg was talking about it the other day, which leads me to believe he has it. 
I mean, maybe. So, uh, Blessing, how are you? Where can people find you? What are you working on? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Blessing Junior. That's at Blessing JR. Uh, and you can find my content on youtube.com slash kind of funny games. Over there, I am a part of Kind of Funny Games Daily, which is our daily news show that happens pretty much every single day of the week, uh, weekday, so Monday through Friday. Uh, and that happens at 10 a.m. Pacific time on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games live. Um, and so if you like video game news, tune in to that. If you like PlayStation, uh, I uh, host the PlayStation podcast with Greg Miller, Lucy's roommate, who you heard sneezing earlier. Um, and that <laughs> also is on youtube.com slash kind of funny games. P.S. I love you. XOXO. That's also on your podcast services of choice, wherever you love listening to podcasts. And so PlayStation, video game news, and other shenanigans all happening. Kind of funny. Question, cool. get Diablo. Play Diablo with I us. I don't know. I don't Do Diablo you coward. Very much seems like not my jam of a game. How much is it on Amazon? Do it, you coward. Is the that Final Fantasy 14 update live that's supposed to be? No, yeah, it got delayed. Dang. Listen, if I couldn't get into X-Men Legends, I don't know if I'm getting into Dude, it is no. not the same thing. <laughs> Relax. $35. I actually yeah. actually did kind of get into X-Men Legends. That, that was a lie. I didn't like that game <laughs> when, I was, when I was younger. Uh, you can find me at Jacob Deck. And I don't know. I'm working on the podcast, this podcast. And oh, I know. Uh, Jean-Luc and I are doing. We're going to try to make a cyberpunk video every single week until the game comes out. I don't know if we'll hit every week, but we're going to try to be making cyberpunk (laughs) videos very often. The first one, which the script has already written, is a history of Night City. So a lot of these are going to be lore-based. So if you're somebody who's super excited for Cyberpunk 2077 and you know nothing about the world, these videos are for you. Even if you know a good amount, like we're going to try to touch on everything from the history of Night City to the different gangs, to the different districts, to the different characters. Uh, So if that's something you're interested in, be sure to stay tuned for that. I'm very excited for those videos. I think they're going to be a lot of fun. Old strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. Yep. All right. (laughs) See you all next week.